Ooh-wee, dear listener. I've seen quite the cinematic screw turning in my time. Oh, but boy. Crimson Peak was one humdinger of a Penny Dreadful. Anyway. Um, I yeah. like Penny Dreadful. That's, <laughs> a, that's a good show. Yeah. I like Minority Report. I don't care if nobody else did. Oh, boy. I guess you would be in the minority for the minority. Oh. <laughs> I love I love the guy who was the private investigator because he was one of the scientists in uh, Pacific Rim, and so yeah, when they sure. sat down yep. at the at the hotel, it was like I need you to fight the kaiju. Honestly, <laughs> that performance bothered me more than Charlie Hunnam's because he felt like he was in a different movie. Yeah, he was. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like he did. Yeah, yeah. Like he Charlie was. Hunnam's is a bad performance, but he was trying to like act in the same manner, but. That, they should have had Charlie really Day weird. do that instead. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Well, I looked into it, and I thought that <laughs> apparently she's still alive. <laughs> I think it would have been better. I think <laughs> so, actually. If Charlie Day could have been, like, what Charlie Hunnam, like, like his character, <laughs> like, he had to go to Crimson Peak. Well, I'll see you in the morning, then. <laughs> do your ghost make too much noise? <laughs> Oh my god, yes. Not gonna lie, that would have changed my opinion of this movie. That would have been a five-star film. Why didn't you call them? You didn't see what was going on? Well, there's no way to determine that. Yes, there is. An infallible way. They won. What's well, a casino? People got to win sometimes. Hey, what do you think? I'm a fucking idiot? Probability on one four-wheel machine is a million and a half to one. On three machines in a row, it's in the billions. It cannot happen. Would not happen. You fucking Momo, what's the matter with you? Maybe it was the love of the planets. Maybe it was just my growing dislike for this one. But for as long as I can remember, I have dreamed of going into space. Now that I've met you... Would you object to never seeing me again? The biggest regret of my life, I let my love go. That price on my head, was that dead or alive? Don't remember. See if he starts shooting. I don't ask you over for dinner and then suggest you give a lecture on the peoples of Mesoamerica or whatever your pre-Columbian shit is. This is my job. This is how I pay the fucking rent. The same gentleman that told me that you tried to get your broker's license also told me that you were a straight arrow. He ran a security check on me. Well... Sail on a boat fit for a Bond villain, sometimes you need to play the part, right? First of all, dude, you don't have an ex. Secondly, this is a fucking show dog with fucking papers. You can't board it, it gets upset. Its hair falls out. Walter. Fucking no. dog has fucking papers. Over the line! Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey, you were over the line, that's a problem. What happened? Did your, did your balls drop off? <laughs> Hey there, guys. Welcome into episode 36 of Film Tank. My name is Alex Diekman, and on this episode, we'll be discussing the new Guillermo del Toro horror sort of film, Crimson Peak. This week's episode, uh, we have Nick Cheney here. Ooh. That was that, my ghost noise. I was going to say, is that your ghost noise? Yeah, that was. I thought you were going to do your, your usual. When have I ever done that? On, on literally every episode in the last five weeks. Okay, now we're just spreading lies. <laughs> Tuzan Egan also here with us. Ooh, fucker! Sorry. This is my intro! Well. <laughs> no, you ruined it! Okay, well, that's yeah, that fine. was the point. 
Now you're just being childish. And, you know, you should be happy. They've allowed people of your kind to be stormtroopers. So you should, you should be happy with that. What, you mean clones? I'm not a clone, dude. <laughs> Fuck you. That's, that's a good way to start the episode. <laughs> anyway, continue. I was trying to poke fun at that whole thing, but we can get into that more if we want to. Uh, also, Sam Shamar, who joined us uh, for an episode a while ago when we talked about Inglorious Bastards, is here with us. What's up? Yay! <laughs> Back again. Thank you, guys. So, Anytime. I, I, I guess since I, I brought it up, uh, before we get to Weekend Review, I guess we should maybe talk about the, the Star Wars craziness that's happened. <laughs> no, I just want to mention it real quick. Not only did we have the, the new trailer released, also... Uh, the craziness with the tickets uh, going on sale, which crashed Fandango and MovieTickets.com, I believe, was the other one. Probably. And then we get that story from Variety about how people are angry, and I, I, I just don't get it. But they're not, though. But so, so where did that come from? I, I guess that's where, where I, I well, want to find out where all this is coming from, because this is something that is... Because it's Star Wars has gotten blown up way bigger than it probably should have. But Gamergate goes to the movies. <laughs> uh, no. Um, so at first I didn't know where it was coming from, but I actually asked a couple of people that I knew on Twitter. And apparently this is all like some mock. Like the whole hashtag for like boycott Star Wars 7 is really like a, a mock campaign from 4chan in order to like get everybody's goat. In order to like like manufacture controversy just because they're nihilists and they want to watch the world burn and it's working. Um, so I just choose not to like give them any more attention because they are all 14 year olds perpetually <laughs> forever. You could be 40 years old and you're still a 14 year old. Isn't that a good thing though? Because then no, like, it's not. No, 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 the, no. the people <laughs> that don't want to go to the theater, that means that it opens up more seats for like the other people. Or then. there's Boom. the people who are going to like, you know, buy tickets simply so other people can't go. Yeah. That's not good at all. Yeah. People do that. Yeah. There are scalpers. I literally, I was seeing people on Twitter post pictures of eBay, uh, eBay auctions for, for like, you know, seats in IMAX theaters. Bro, like it's not that theaters. serious. You can go see it in a week. Right. Oh, right. it's serious. Man. Yeah, people want to go see it when it first comes out, and obviously... And they should be able to if, like, yeah. if yeah. they, you know, can pay a fair price. And, yeah, I mean... And they're not racist assholes. Yeah. Yeah, I... Yeah. See, that's the, that's the other problem with this whole, whole topic, is that this is not the first time this has come up. This was mentioned when the first yeah. trailer came out earlier yeah. this year, mm -hmm. and it is so stupid. I... I I just cannot figure out what why this is even a thing. I can't. I can't even figure out why this is. E even if it's something people just bring it up just to bring something up to create, you don't get it. Drama. Man. They're rewriting history. That's all happened, and it was a white guy originally. <laughs> okay, so the way that I'm like reasoning this, and like the, the way that I approach this whole controversy, whatever the hell it is, like there there are people who were doing this shit when. Fury Road came out, and they decided to boycott it because, like, Furiosa shouldn't be talking to Max like that. That doesn't make sense. I can't handle this reality. It's just a fucking film. Can Shut you the fuck talk up. like that for the rest of the podcast? Um, not for this podcast. Maybe for the next one. Okay. Um, He's got to mentally prepare himself. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta get into character. But really, people who get outraged over a black stormtrooper and over this idea of canonicity. First off, the extended universe that a lot of people are referring to. It's not canon anymore. 
Like, J.J. Abrams, if you should blame anybody, he smothered that in the crib in order to make you this movie. So you're welcome. Um, so but a lot. Well, it's true. Um, but a lot of people who are, who are who are outraged about this really just see culture as a zero-sum game. That in order for, like, minority actors, in order to have more roles, then that means that white people have to be, like, pushed to the fringes, which that doesn't make sense. No. There's always going to be white people. <laughs> they're, they're Thank not, God. They're not going to go away. <laughs> and black people aren't going to go away either. And it's just like, why not? It's like, let's let's switch it up a little bit. Let's let's Let's... Let's not make another Spider-Man movie. Let's, let's not do that. I just really just thought that this would... Maybe I'm just not thinking correctly, but, man, I just did never, never in my wildest dreams would think that this actually would have become a thing twice now. Because, again, this, right. this, this was a discussion months ago about this. And why are we even having this? First of all, it's a movie, so... For, that that's the first thing. Because the PC police are trying to tell us how to live our lives, man. I agree. I'm a red pill. So Look saying, beyond the veil. Saying feminism. Way, way more about the prob- problems with <laughs> mm. society and with the Be internet shame. than it's saying about <laughs> Star Wars. It's just it, 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 it's just so dumb, and it's it's really unfortunate because I'm really excited to see the new Star Wars film. And after Same. those last three, which were total I'm very, fucking nightmares, I'm very guarded. I'm very, very guarded because I watched. I watched the new trailer. I finally watched the new trailer, even though I said I wasn't going to do it. Oh, you and, little and then, I, and then I looked you, at it. You made it a whole 16 hours. Waiting yeah, because the, the internet wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. And it's then, true. But then I watched this entire compilation where it took like all of the teaser trailers for all of the films, including the originals, just you know because I wanted to see how it evolved. And I watched the and they're all in order of like the um, like episode one, two, three from there on, not from like when they were released. And I looked back on like. The one for Phantom Menace, and I'm like, oh, and then I'm looking at the one at two, and I'm like, oh, and then I'm three, like, no, <laughs> and then I'm looking at at the um the the original one for Star Wars, and I'm just like, wow, these movies are old as fuck. So, what did you think about this one then? Uh, the newest one, yeah. Um, I I thought it was well cut. I mean, I'm just not as hyped about it as everybody else. And that feels weird to me. Like, I should be, like, the biggest one here excited about it because I love sci-fi and I love Star Wars. But it's just, like, maybe it wasn't Star Wars that changed. Maybe maybe I changed. That's where really what it is. <laughs> it's getting deep here. I changed, really. But I'll still go see it. And I was like, you know. But if I, if I have any type of mixed opinion, I know that I will be skewered. I have to, like, love it. Absolutely. Or hate it. Absolutely. There's no in between. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I'm afraid. I'm totally afraid of like being in the middle on this new Star it, Wars film. It, it's going to be a three and a half out of five for Tucson. I think we don't know what rating <laughs> coming. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, we'll obviously be talking more about The Force Awakens down the road. And we're, we're planning to try to get an episode out pretty quickly to when it gets released. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with oh, that. Oh, can I mention one moment that I actually did get feels at? In, okay. in the trailer. Okay. When, like, um, Ray and, and Finn were talking to Han Solo, and he was like, they're real. And it was just like, the dark side, the Jedi. It was like, they're real. And then you see, like, um, the shot before with um, Luke putting his robot hand on R2-D2. I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> they're real. Yeah? Yeah. Was it Luke? Yeah, it was Luke. Was it? Yeah. Where is he? Where is he on was that? It really? Where is he on that poster? I think he's dead. Where is dead. he in the trailer? I mean, it's like that that one like 
like conspiracy surrounding the Beatles that they thought that Paul was dead and they was replaced with somebody else. <laughs> I gotta say, as not, as a non Star Wars fan, I was. I, the trailer did not do anything for me. Um, <laughs> no, I remember you. You thought if it took that, place in one room, you'd love it. You you thought the the <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> you, you were even though not a big fan of the of the series necessarily. You thought the 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 last trailer, yeah. which came out earlier, was was pretty good. I thought the second trailer was very good. I feel like now that we're ge- getting more information, it's starting to look more like Star Wars, which is a good thing because that's what people love. And I don't like Star Wars, so therefore I. Yeah. But I will say the poster. I thought was actually pretty awesome and like both The Phantom Menace poster is really awesome too. No, no, no but I'm just saying like credit credit where credit's due. You guys are laughing, but like I don't think the Phantom Menace is all that different than the other three Star Wars like I just like I don't like Star Wars that much, so it's like I as much as I don't like those movies, like the You think you you don't uh, I mean we'll get into this more. You don't think the Phantom Menace is all that different from the Empire Strikes Back? Um, as in, like, I enjoy one more than the other, but no, they're all the same space opera bullshit. Okay. Used to think <laughs> that Phantom Menace <laughs> is the same level as A New Hope? I didn't say that. Okay. I said, said I don't think they're all that different. What I'm trying to say <laughs> is because I don't have affection for the original trilogy, uh, it's not like the prequels that came after it were that much worse than the original trilogy in my eyes. <laughs> Let's let's move on. I can't. I'm so sorry for giving a subjective opinion. That's okay. I realize that that's what that's we fine. were here for. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nick. I just Does I can't. Everyone's ears bleed. I can't. Yeah. Well, today. my ears bleed when I listen to you two talk. Oh, that's mean. Ouch, that oh. hurts. Anyway, sorry, I said you two. I, yeah. no, no, I was excluding I you, Sam. I know. I you can talk. I don't have to worry. It's not me. <laughs> it's, it's 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 Nick. It's not you. Don't worry about it. No. It's just him and his his thing. <laughs> We'll get more into Star Wars later. I try. I... Don't bring that into it. <laughs> we'll get more into Star Wars later. Next up, <laughs> moving on. Yeah, we'll get more into Star Wars in December. Uh, now, though, let's do let's do a week in review. And usually, um, I guess we usually start off with Nick. And I guess why would we want to break tradition? So go ahead. Why Nick. would you? Well, I watched Star Wars this weekend. <laughs> and... <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, let's see. I watched three movies this weekend, and I'm going to quickly run through them. Okay. But the first movie I watched was on my birthday this past Friday, and I went and saw The Shining in the theater. Oh, okay. Oh. How'd you like it? I love it. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. Oh. So I was, it was the second time I've seen it in theaters. No. Before you get into just feelings on on this experience seeing it, I know that me and you had went to see it last year in the theater. Yes, um, was this a a better viewing experience in the theater? Or, this was or a did... much better viewing okay. experience. The only thing that was okay, I'll say this much: like the one thing I enjoyed about when we went and saw it in Hollywood Palms is that I loved the fact that that audience was basically eating it up as a comedy because it is kind of a black comedy. I mean, it's so ridiculous at points that you have to laugh. Whereas the the audience I was with this weekend really was not feeling that aspect of it. And I mean like when Jack Nicholson's like at the bottom of the stairs and he's like, What dude, give me the bad Like I don't know how you don't find that funny. And still find it a terrorizing movie, but yeah. it's you know, it's a it's a mixture of tones. But anyway, the the one thing that this experience though absolutely apes the last one I saw is that this was obviously like a digitally restored print, probably from a f- either a two K or four K. You negative. would eat that kind of thing up. I would because it, <laughs> it looked gorgeous. Whereas when we saw in Hollywood Palms, it was, it was a DVD. I was, yeah, yeah, we literally saw like the play sign <laughs> up at the top, so which was totally fine. But um, but no, no, this completely because uh, I was worried. I was thinking maybe like Casino when we saw it. Um, what was it a month ago or something? Mm-hmm. 
that maybe that was just for but it seems like every classic movie they they must get some kind of digital print for that's them, awesome which is really nice so anyway i'm not going to talk much about it because everybody's seen it and i but it's one of my all-time favorites so i had to mention it great this sunday i went and saw another classic movie in the theaters and i went and saw my fair lady oh. with audrey hepburn mm-hmm. and rex harrison and i had not seen it before like start to finish i definitely seen a lot of clips from oh, okay. it but this summer, uh, as Toussaint and Alex are well aware, but I don't know if you are, Sam, but I've been watching like every Audrey Hepburn film, and I've been getting really into musicals, so naturally, yeah, this was a nice yeah. little combination of the two. And it was basically everything I wanted it to be. I thought it was just, I personally find it, it to be like one of the best romantic comedies ever made. It really is. It's just Rex Harrison's uh, take on the Higgins character because I've read Pygmalion, yeah, um, and I liked that when I read it, and I've, I think I've seen the original movie too from like the '30s. Um, but uh, seeing this is just so much more fun because Rex Harrison really gets to just go crazy with the misogyny, and but still, <laughs> I've like still be I would say a pretty nuanced character because what's great is that the film doesn't let him like simply changed because he fell in love it's just like it acknowledges that he's not so much misogynistic because he has those feelings but mostly just because he can't think about anything or anybody other than himself so that's why at the end like i'm gonna spoil a 50 year old movie but when audrey hepburn comes back to him after all that like people who kind of read that scene because she comes back to him in the living room and and his the, the only thing he says to her is go give me my slippers so kind of like people read that as like oh this is like setting feminism back 50 years or whatever are just not in my opinion reading the movie right because up until that point like it pretty much made clear that uh, Eliza basically gets him to drive himself crazy because he does realize that he has feelings and he likes her he's just a stubborn asshole and he's always going to be a stubborn asshole so I I, I was a big fan of it and um, a lot of complaints that are thrown at it I just don't get like when people say that um some of the songs are, like, uh, too talky. I mean, he's a phonetics professor, so that was kind of the point of it thematically. Yeah. <laughs> and I I think they're great as well. So, yeah, I saw that. And i um, trying to think, what did... Oh, yesterday, I watched a movie called A Special Day, which is a... I believe it's a 1977 Italian film uh, directed by... I'm going to try to pronounce Italian, even though I, I'm not... Uh, Ettore Scola, maybe how you pronounce it. It was a good it. try. Yeah. It's, uh, nobody out on here would probably be able to do it better, so way to go. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and this was, and Toussaint, cover your ears, this was a movie that is largely set in one room. And <laughs> yes, that is my bread and butter because I, I like <laughs> movies that are more theatrical in nature. And it stars uh, Sophia Loren and another person that I've not heard of. Um, hold on. It's right here on my screen. Very sorry. Marcello Mastroianni, who I did a little research and it was kind of like a kind of like an Italian Cary Grant, you know, like a very masculine uh, star of whatnot. Hmm. Um, and it starts them and it takes place on the historic day in like 1950 something, I think. I don't know. Um Maybe for, I don't I don't know my time periods, but where Hitler was coming, to, yeah, where Hitler was coming to Italy to be greeted by Mussolini, and like they were throwing the parade for him and all that. Okay. And so while um, the film takes place in this one uh, basically courtyard of this apartment, 
And while everybody leaves to go to the parade, two people stay behind. A housewife who basically, they can't afford like to just not leave somebody behind, played by Sophia Loren, um, who has to you know continue to wash the clothes and actually get things ready while they're, the husband and the six kids they have can go to the parade and whatnot. And a closeted homosexual who's just been fired from his job, uh, who lives across the courtyard, who is going to be deported at the end of the day because it was illegal uh, to be homosexual. And so by a chance encounter, they realize that they're both still there while this parade is going on, and they kind of just spend the day together and get to kind of act out some of their biggest, like, regrets in life and whatnot, and just, like, that, you know, it's like a therapy session, basically, between these two kindred souls. It's kind of like Lost in Translation hmm. uh, meets Hitler. So. <laughs> it kind of sounds like uh, Before Sunrise. Yes, actually, that's a very good example of, um, yes, it's it's a lot like that, where it's like just, just I would say, like one-act play between two people that just talk. and Yeah. But um, the, the only difference, of course, is that that's more of a romantic film, and while there is passion involved in this, and even to some extent romance, it, it does get flipped on its head by the end, because while she obviously does not realize that he's uh, homosexual at first, and that is part of the reason why she's intrigued by him because maybe, you know, she wants to have an extramarital affair because she knows her husband's having a million of them. Um, once, you know, she finds out the true nature of, you know, his feelings for her and whatnot, that it becomes more platonic in nature. And yet it doesn't. It's weird. It's, it's a very good movie. It's very complex and uh, some terrific performances. And, and uh, yeah, it was just added to the Criterion Collection last week. Ah. And uh, so that's why I picked it up. It I was going to say, was this a purchase for you then? It was. I, I do that a lot, especially when it sounds like something I'm, I'm going to like, like a one-room movie and whatnot. <laughs> and I did not regret buying it. So uh, I definitely, I'm sure it's on Hulu or something because Hulu pretty much has 95% of the Criterion Collection. It's worth a watch. Okay, very good. Let's move on to uh, Tucson and hear what he did this week. Okay. So I watched a movie. Wow. Yeah, I watched a movie that was recommended originally by Nick. (laughs) Oh. Yep. It is 2010's I Saw the Devil. Okay. Because I needed a (laughs) pick-me-up. and uh, (laughs) That'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, this is a film that Nick mentioned before on one of his uh, top six. um, Top six revenge episode. Yeah, revenge episode, yeah. It was my number one. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, this is the story of a serial killer who is an awful, awful human being. If you mm-hmm. didn't already get that from him being a serial killer, he kills women, he kills children. He's not children. a Dexter. I don't want to talk about that show, man. Okay, <laughs> uh, so he kills women, he kills children, and he happens, like his latest victim turns out to be the daughter of a retired uh, police captain, and that's just awful. But what's even more awful is that her fiancé um, is a special agent, like a special, like like agent investigator and stuff right he, oh we got it he convinces himself that's what a he, special agent is he, he yes he commits I think him, like a special travel agent he commits himself <laughs> in-depth analysis to doing this show find the killer and not kill him but make his life absolutely horrible and that he does in that it, it's this con- constant cat and mouse game between like the the killer is about to do something nefarious like rape somebody or murder somebody and this guy just like bursts in channels the fucking spirit of Ramsey Snow and beats the shit out of him within an inch of his life and then just leaves and just lets him live. And he just tracks him. And he just and, does that throughout and, the whole film. Throughout the entire film. It's this fucking weird, like, South Korean Looney Tunes bullshit. 
And it's it's actually got really great fight choreography and really cool like cinematography. Like there's a scene where um, the serial killer is like stabbing some guy in a car while it's like driving down the uh, the, the highway, and it's actually a 360 pan around, and then it Ooh. like pans to outside. Like That's yeah, awesome. it was really impressive. It didn't make any fucking sense because that car would have like careened off of the fucking hill, but it was really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, guardrails. Yeah, there were now, guardrails. I, I don't really remember every single um, part we talked about when we were talking about this on the uh, Top Six Revenge episode. But were the filmmakers from Old Boy involved in this in any way, shape, or form? The uh, the main character, the guy who played the main right. character from Old Boy, no, he this was is a involved. different, uh... completely different crew to yeah. this. Okay, there's more than one South Korean director. Yeah, Alex. Alex. I'm not. Okay. I know. I know well, you're saying that. I, I knew that. The, I'm just making fun was, of you. I knew the guy. Did was... Quentin Tarantino direct the new Star Wars movie? I wish. Right there. Right, right there. <laughs> I do care. I knew that the I guy would, starring in it was involved, and the content also sounds. Very similar. That's because, so. and I'll be racist and say this: a lot of South Korean movies have to do with brutal violence and revenge. I mean, that's like a very yeah. They have especially to... within the most recent trend of like the the two thousands and whatnot. Yeah, it's it's always weird, like watching foreign films. Not because they're not good films. Like there are a lot of really great. They're just foreign... not like me, so I don't care for them. No, it's it's just like I'm not in that culture, so I think there are some different like cultural expectations and like mm-hmm. anticipations that go with like not only like how they interact with one another, but also like what they get out of cinema versus what I do as like being an American. So it's just like, why? That's only because that's what you've been taught by America. The I more mean, foreign I mean, films I mean, you I mean, watch, the more you actually realize that there is no, you know, mm-hmm. heteronormative narrative of, of, uh, of cinema. You just got to keep watching more. Okay. I'll do that. Boom. Thanks, man. Anytime. <laughs> Appreciate that. Okay, that's all I watched. Okay, very good. <laughs> all right, Sam, uh, do you have anything uh, you uh, were doing the last week or so? Um, the probably the most recent films that I have seen um, would be um, Brothers Bloom, which I saw um, like a week or so ago. That's, a good movie. that's Ryan um, Johnson. What? Yes, what? yes <laughs> he's directing um, the next Star Wars movie. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that back up, Jason. <laughs> Um, that one's probably the most recent one that I've seen, um, aside from watching A Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, um, okay. Just recently. That's, I, I absolutely adore the, just, the creativity behind, and just the amount of, like, effort that was put into that movie, because it's all done by hand, essentially, and it's, um, it's, it's beautiful, and I'd actually, just earlier today, had seen, um, this, you know, like theory that was put out that Frankenweenie starts it off and then the Corpse Bride is the second installment. And then A Nightmare Before Christmas is actually the end result. Mm. Um, Don't you just love fan theories? They're the I, best. I saw that and I was like, I mean, that's a genius idea. I but, like it, but did, I don't know if I can get behind it Why fully. does everything have to be in one universe, though? Right. What, what the fuck is this? Okay, can't you just enjoy a film on its own? No. You see, you to, Glenn Gary Ross is the prequel to fucking Seven. Because here, exactly. nobody gives a shit. Here's the problem. When, especially in this case, where the right. <laughs> this fucking you're guy. right. Especially in God, this man. case, where it's Tim Burton involved in all three of those. Correct? Right. Yeah. Sometimes uh, directors like to leave little hints of other films yeah. in other films. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're directly correlated together. Yeah, so. exactly. Like in Batman Forever, like you see the actual like costumes of 
like the Joker and some of the other characters and like Tim Burton right. films, but that doesn't mean that they exist in the same continuity. If they do, then why does Bruce Wayne like play by a different person? And why does he have a different house? And why does he have all this? You're going to make my head explode. All man. The, yeah, all this shit just kind of unravels. <laughs> but I wanted to ask Sam something because <laughs> she was talking about the Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. And have you heard about the the recent um, like news about Tim Burton's views on whether it's a Christmas film or a Halloween film. I and I wanted to actually. ask you, like, do you think that Nightmare for Christmas is a Halloween film or Christmas film, or does it even matter? One, I don't think it matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. It <laughs> so does I, I don't think, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good movie, it's right? It's a good movie, yeah. no matter what it is. Yeah. I mean, I Got watch Joan it. London over I watch here. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I watch it at both times of the year. Mm-hmm. It's like a Halloween thing that I have to watch it in October and or on Halloween precisely. And then I watch it like around Christmas time. Now, and, do you I mean, like scary Halloween films? I mean, scary um, um, Christmas films? Oh, God, here comes. He's going to bring up Krampus. Or Are you going to see or... Krampus? <laughs> yeah. Actually, when um, I was watching yeah. Crimson Peak and yeah. the trailer came up, um, my friend Tiffany, mm-hmm. um, she and I, like she and I, started like freaking out. She more than I. Um, she just was like bouncing in her seat the entire time. Um, it looks really interesting. Looks really um, good. I just the thing that we talked about afterwards was um, w- we want to know why there's so many like comedic actors like Adam Scott. Um, and why they're in it. If because it's, it's going to be, to be like... more of a horror comedy than it's being sold as, probably. Okay. I was going to say that. That's, and what also, I was, that's what we're thinking. It seems like but... a bait. I think that was the whole point of both the trailer and the film itself, is that it's a bait and switch. Like, you think you're getting in for, like, a dysfunctional family comedy, and then all of a sudden, because you don't need, if, I would say, if Krampus goes, you know, down the narrative Mm-hmm. Yeah. road that I think it will go down yeah. you don't need like competent actors to stand there and scream so it's kind of like you know like they got the people who will deliver the actual comedy in the first half and then just watch them like hilariously getting eaten and or shit. It, there could be comedy happening throughout I mean look at Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell which was billed as a straight horror film and it was anything but that when you yeah. actually went to go watch the film. I mean, they had a goat with its eyes lighting up, dancing in the sky. <laughs> and you're just like, what the fuck is happening right now? Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, that Krampus film, I'm not so sure about that one. I thought Adam Scott was good in the trailer. Like, I, I agree that it was there were some funny parts in it. It was like, honey, this tastes great. It's like, well, mine's dry. <laughs> and they just like, I was like, do you want to trade? trade? No. <laughs> We got I, leftovers. Well, but beer it is. Fuck <laughs> this guy. There's I actually always that really, guy at the Christmas table. Yeah. I actually yeah. really like the trailer for Krampus. I'm just not going to see it because I'll completely admit that I do not want to see a movie that will scare the shit out of me. That's okay. I don't. See, I don't want my Christmas ruined by this bullshit goat <laughs> nonsense. Well, nothing will ruin Christmas for me. But yeah, no. But like, it's just one of those movies where it's like it's going to be like unnecessarily scary for me because it's like. First of all, like I've said on the last uh, podcast when we were talking about horror movies, like I'm not the kind of person that gets scared by a movie. Like the minute I leave the theater, like I can sleep like a baby, you know. Like that, I don't think about it in that way. But when I'm in the theater and I'm watching a movie like Krampus, even the trailer, yeah, like my I sit there and I'm just like, oh god damn it, that's just <laughs> I'm just like every time something you know pops out, ah oh, Jesus Christ, this is so <laughs> stupid. So and I have no problem admitting like that's how I feel, but. Um, but this is just so, like I said, unnecessarily scary because in one trailer we have like a creepy clown, the goat 
creature himself mm-hmm. uh something else that i completely forgot but like it, it just it just seems like a too much of a freak show something that's... out of a pop-up box that has like a split shin and like, yeah, like uh, those... a, a jack a jack yeah. in the box i mean yeah. just like it seemed like it's taking every there... single phobia and putting it in one movie which... there's that clown doll at the end that yeah. has like the human mouth coming yeah. out. yeah that's what i'm talking about yeah yeah. I love that. So yeah, just because it's it's just throwing way too much at the wall, and uh, I, I'm just not gonna sit through it. Yeah. That's okay. That's I funny. But I, it yeah. does look good. Like it, it, does. it looks very effective, and different, that's why I'm not going to see different it. Different strokes for different folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, um, it it looks like absolute. It looks right on par with that uh, Vin Diesel Last Witch Hunter movie. So really? oh. yeah. what? Not interested. Yeah, I'm just not interested. Uh, I just it doesn't look on par with that. First of all, the guy who made Krampus is the guy who made um, Trick or Treat, I think, which is uh, quite highly regarded in the cult circles of uh, horror films. I've never heard of it. Yeah, everybody, if you like horror films, should definitely check it out because I've heard great things about it and that it's quite scary and whatnot. So really, it's just finally someone must have saw it a studio executive and gave him a bigger budget. And I'm sure there will be lots of people that will like it, and I'm sure there will be some people that like that Vin Diesel thing. (laughs) I'm not interested. So. You, just me. You're gonna put money in that people will like the last witch hunter, dude. There was a whole legion of people that like that underworld shit. They made four of those. That is true, but uh, they're making a new one, I think. <laughs> but Kate Beckinsale really? is yeah. a million times better than uh, uh, the Diesel. As I've seen two of those, and the the content is is not. Oh good. no, I'm saying they're probably shit movies. <laughs> but as far as like what you're gonna actually like, I would pay to watch. Yeah, I'd watch. Kate Beckinsale run around in spandex and kick ass, whereas I don't need to see... Let's keep it 100. This, is, on. the, this is the real I, here. I'm just being honest. Yeah. I, I, nobody needs to see Vin Diesel running around in... In like, leather pants? In, well, I mean, that's okay. But uh, making weird jokes about, like, I don't know. It's like trying to be funny, and then, like... I love that there was a promotional tweet sent out by the official account of The Last Witch Hunter, and it was like, meet the baddest witch hunter or whatever. I don't know. And it's a picture of Vin Diesel's character putting his hand on a pregnant lady lady's belly i'm like oh what a badass like it's it's one of the weirdest i think it was like an accidental tweet but it, it happened okay so anyway not for me <laughs> anyway well, did you have any more um, thoughts on the nightmare before christmas we've, we've <laughs> gone off the rails a little bit here <laughs> we do that a, a lot bit. um not not necessarily for that film but there were two other movies that i'd seen um recently okay um one of them is actually um it's called The Baba Duke. Oh, um, we, we did an episode on that. Oh, Baba awesome. Duke. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so I got to watch that one recently. Um, did you and like it? I liked it. Um, did you like the part when the, the mom out of nowhere yells at the son, Why don't you just go eat shit? <laughs> that was good. That, that was my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> You're I'm a not monster. Gonna, It, it it was a very um, it was a very interesting film. Um, I liked it, but at the same time, like it, I think the ending is what bothered me the most. Um, just because I feel like it wasn't. Um, I, I don't know. I think you had like good potential, but I don't know if like it could have gone like gone somewhere a little bit further mm. or something. Um, are you, and, would you have preferred if the Babadook was just like a straight monster, like versus like what it is in the film, like as more metaphorical to something else? I mean, I love the metaphorical okay. like idea of it. I just I don't know. But if as far it, as like chaining it to a basement and then just like feeding it, be like, yeah. Oh, and now we're going on with our lives. It, that just that kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, 
Well, that's but, where people put everything. They put that there. They put their red goo under the earth, and that's where they hide things. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was nuts. That was <laughs> fucking nuts. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get, get to that. You're we'll the one who brought that. it up. Uh, hey, hey. I'm, I'm just <laughs> Whoa. Hey, whoa. Um, and the, the last film um, is Snowpiercer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which was, ironically, I was at work, um, and one of the servers at work had just, he just randomly came up to me, and he's like, hey. So, have you seen Snowpiercer? And I was like, what the hell is this? And he's like, yeah, it's on Netflix. You should watch it. And then, like, get back to me and talk to me about it. So, I sat and I Please. watched it. <laughs> um, he's that desperate to talk to his friends. It's a conversation um, piece, for sure. Well, it, it, yeah. It's, it's such an... I, it was a very odd film mm-hmm. um, to me. And I... I'm intrigued by it, but I'm also kind of like, I don't know what to think of this. Um... It was, uh, and and I know we we chatted a little bit about this before and everything about like the different compartments on the train and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the ending just confused me a little bit. I mean, I understand its purpose and whatnot, but it was just kind of strange. Um, I love something to be desired for me as well. I, yeah. I just remember the ending of the film. Just thinking that I wish this was going somewhere that was cooler than where it ended up. Yeah, definitely. The, um, uh, the director of that film, um, he's South Korean. I can't remember his name, but he did direct like one of my favorite. Oh, boy. No, not <laughs> Oh boy. He directed the host. This fucking not guy. not the uh the Stephanie Meyer film. Like it's it's an actual like a, a South Korean monster film. It's actually really, really good. I would definitely recommend it. But it was his first um uh English language film and it was like produced for the Weinstein brothers and that had a really protracted and weird production. Yeah, that thing. had a weird there there was something odd about the release of that, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. I, I remember really enjoying it. I haven't seen it since in theaters, but like, what year did that come out? 2013? Yeah, but it came to U.S. theaters uh, 2014 in the summer. That was yeah. actually like one of my, like, I, I, I remember it being, possessing like one of my favorite like fist pump moments, like where like they're just about to like start the revolution and like Chris Evans just like walks through the crowd and he goes up to the guard and puts the gun barrel to his head and like, yeah. stares him down and like, p- like pulls the trigger and there's nothing, nothing happens. And then you just like take the train. I was like, fuck yeah, that's how you start a revolution. <laughs> that's so fucking badass. But then they, 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 they find out later that they do in fact still have bullets and then it's kind of disappointing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was still a cool moment. <laughs> I agree. Agree. That's, yeah. that's one of the better that parts. Is, yeah. That that in the uh, that in the conversation he has uh, later, where he like admits to things about eating people. That's that was one of our favorite quotes of that year. <laughs> babies taste best. Babies, I, I know that babies taste best. It's it's just because Chris Evans delivers it that <laughs> yeah. makes it even more ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. So what 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 else about um, Snowpiercer, Sam? I, I know you had you had other thoughts on it. What else did you want to bring to the table about it, or is that pretty much it? Um, I know that because it, it, it's I believe it's based on like a short story or, of some sort and whatnot. A um, comic, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm just interested to see like the difference between the film version um, and the the written version, um, and and see because I know there was a lot of like color. Mm-hmm. Um, imagery and and like that the difference between classism or like the idea of classism and things like that that really popped up in there and um i'm just curious if like that was you know something that the director specifically like drew out from the text Mm. or or not um and things like that versus maybe you know kind of going their own route like was it actually written in the piece or did they like implement their own like ideas into the film and whatnot and make it a bit more 
one direction than the other. Like I, I, I actually looked that up. Um, awesome. I, I, I haven't. My questions can be answered now. Thank yeah, you, Tucson. Yeah, that's fine. I, I haven't read the comic myself, but I've like read about like what happens in the comic versus what happens in the movie. And from my understanding, like uh, the director really just used the premise of Snowpiercer as a springboard for his own okay. movie, and so a lot of that is like him bringing stuff to the actual film itself so good to know well thank you yeah no problem i can sleep well at night now thank you yeah we (laughs) all can it it was brought up uh when we were talking about before but what were your feelings on the uh the allison pill scene with the uh the classroom that was probably the the most uh, terry gilliam came in with the assist i was just i was gonna say that was probably the most outrageous scene of the entire definitely was that's my favorite scene in the movie it's a lot of people's favorite scene. It's great. But I wish the movie was more like that. Like that's what I don't understand. Is like I feel like it's literally like a like a peak as far as like the tone of the film. Like it's ratcheted up to that point and it gets there and then all of a sudden we're like, Whoa, I'm like, you know, this is the highest point ever and then all of a sudden it keeps going down again. Mm-hmm. Like so that's why I thought that that scene is both my favorite scene in the movie because I felt like that was the tone the film should have been almost from the start mm-hmm. and yet also very weird because that now it's just an anomaly it sticks out because yeah. no other compartment acts in such a way that uh, that even quite matches Allison Pill's performance because it's children though no and I get that but like it's just uh, every like even though it's children because I, I get that as far as like yeah you have to like you know debase yourself to like actually get it through to children's heads but uh, like all the other compartments like people were just like sitting around and just kind of like shooting the shit and it just made no sense as far as like like okay so if they can fool children in that manner then like it doesn't seem like they're doing anything to really keep the adults like stuck in their car it's kind of like why doesn't anybody in any of these cars like just wander to another car like you know it's like i get they 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 successfully in one scene explain why the children would not you know right deviate and yet adults are way more complicated than children and yet they don't even like really address as to why this has any profound effect on the i mean uh, as an adult adult. you could like lie and say that you were sleepwalking yeah i mean that could get you to another portion of the train exactly so i would have for the very back of the train where they cannot go right is that absolutely cannot go they can't right. or they're just told they can't go no i mean there's guards standing there i mean i know they don't have any bullets in their uh, guns but they're yeah. not allowed to go anywhere further yeah I, mean, that's the whole point, I guess right? there's just like a tonal difference between like that scene and like like i just expected after we got to that compartment that there would be more like monitors with propaganda right you know like that kind of like Follows like starship troopers would you like to know more like you know so yeah, yeah that video that they're shown is amazing by yeah. the way that's one of the one of the but that's in the that's the, in the the children's that, department that, that right? is right yeah. that's Correct. Yeah. but we never see anything else like that afterwards so that's why i just think it's so weird it's kind of i don't know yeah. it's, it's just like a statistical anomaly like it shouldn't have happened and it's great but it's also not, nothing else matches up to that for me i agree that that's but i think it also makes sense for the sort of community that they've set up on the train where they keep everybody separate and everybody has a place to try to accomplish certain things or at least that is the the reasoning given behind it i mean that's why when they get to the end of the train they finally make it and they find the conductor played mm-hmm. by ed harris that's the best scene in the movie for me and he but... doesn't have a conductor's hat at all which was Which really disappointing. I'm disappointing. He had a bathrobe, but he is well. He's but he's a very. I mean, that's the thing. He's like the like number one person now in the world because this is all that's left. At least that's what we're told is that this train is pretty much all that's left of humanity, mm-hmm. and he's just this miserable guy sitting up there in a bathrobe eating steak every <laughs> night. So, 
it, it that was a really surreal scene, and, and the film is just overall uh, very bizarre in in a good way for the most part. But I'm kind of with Nick that I I wanted more of that where we got a lot more action scenes and uh, scenes with people trying just to push through. Where I wanted to spend I wanted to spend more time, like the one like two minute scene where they stop to eat sushi. I, I wanted more of that instead of just oh this is a nice little. Willy Wonka detour, and now we're going to move on to the next. And big when you room. when you have a movie like Snowpiercer, <clears throat> and you're effectively creating the universe of a train car, you mm-hmm. almost have carte blanche to write sloppily. Oh, carte blanche! <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, shut the fuck up, Tucson. Sorry, <laughs> get <kidding>. real. <laughs> no, but you, you almost have like basically. I'm going to say it again, and you better not say anything. Carte blanche. <laughs> To to basically write like as lazily as you want to when you're going from like cart to cart because you do literally have these scenes factioned off by whatever compartment they're in so you don't have to like I would say get very nuanced into like well how do we bring this up how do we you just literally have to sequence it and that's it so that's why like I feel like they drop the ball even more once you get past the the children's compartment because there's just no real rhyme or reason as to like what cart we're getting to next and whatnot and then especially like the last three carts are like all the same like it's just three different variations of like rich, enti- rich entitlement yeah. 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 yeah so that's why I just like there, there's not enough contrast between the later cards uh, and yet there's also just not enough I would say story between like the first like 30 minutes uh, yeah it's just I, 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 I'm somewhat fascinated by the movie because I, I have not rewatched it since the theater, and I would actually rewatch it. But it definitely, I think what you said, Sam, it, it, it has a little, or maybe you said this about a different film, and I'm confusing, but it has a lot of it has a lot of potential um, that I, I don't think it personally reached. Yeah, I do have one thing that kind of weirded me out about it um, in the scene that Alex. Just one. I mean, <laughs> aside from a few others. Um, <laughs> That Alex, you had pointed out um, about the with the conductor and everything, mm-hmm. um, and the children being like within the train. Um, yeah, it runs on I children. Just... <laughs> well, and then that that obviously comes back because that was one of the children from the the caboose yeah. that had gotten poached earlier in the film, and now he's up being the little small person who runs the things. Yeah, we can't I... use our children. We got to use the poor people's children. <laughs> I was a little. I I know the that the one. Um, I forgot if it was like the wall or the floor. One of them like just gave out, I think, or something. Or there was like one missing or something. And then there was one that was like in the like on a shelf, like off to the side. And he just like crawled out from the shelf, and he just like took up his place, like in the little like yeah, portion. Big, big shift change coming. I mean, you can't run that twenty four hours. It's... You got to sleep in there at some point. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I was a little, guy. I was a little weirded out by that for a minute. Of like, okay, where did this child come? Like, why? Is that like I th- a I sleeping that, compartment? I think that or? was all part of the plan with the direction of this film is there are things like that put in there just to be like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. What's I funny can, is that a, a, that a YA uh, a YA movie essentially got what Snowpiercer gets wrong which uh, when it comes to like dystopian class differences mm-hmm. because when you look at the Hunger Games and the 12 districts, it's, that's exactly what basically Snowpiercer is trying to do on a train Trains, but just yeah. snowpiercer goes a little too far uh with like set de- design and production and whatnot and kind of forgets to actually like just round out a few edges of like how this would actually work and whatnot there also i think was a little um too much focus in snowpiercer 
on the overall story where it was hard to really get focused in on the individual compartments Mm -hmm. because we have this entire time worrying about what's happening with Ed Harris's character who we don't meet till the end of the film but we've heard about throughout the entire film his relationship with John Hurt who's at the caboose which gets brought up a couple times Uh, and then we have Tilda Swinton's character who's just kind of there who's a very interesting character but Mm -hmm. we have her kind of involved in this and she's kind of the mediator between all of the compartments and i feel like sometimes it just stuffied up the story of um the interesting different class systems that they had on the train where we're we're worried more about the 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 macro than the you know the or the, the micro rather than the yeah. Macro. yeah sure yeah, there, yeah. You go. there we go i got you buddy thanks so, did you have anything else you wanted to say about Snowpiercer? Sorry. I mean, we can we can let it rest now. Okay. It's, it's all good. We can bring that train to a halt. <laughs> oh God! Choo choo! We're gonna have more train puns, aren't we? No. Can we? Can we have? We enough? had a lot of train real... puns yeah. on the train wreck and Ant Man episode. I was bringing both the bug puns and the train puns. That's yeah, so it was it was good. Everybody enjoyed it. I gotta I think, think of some ghost puns for later. <laughs> Yeah, we can only hope. Keep thinking. I yeah. Love, love Google <laughs> ghost puns. So this week, the only other uh, film I saw was uh, the Steven Spielberg film, Bridge of Spies. How'd you like that? Um, I'm going to tell you about it in just a second. <laughs> I'm so excited. Jumping the gun. Yeah. yeah, just a little bit. Just just, just, just jump the uh, jump, jump the, the start. Just jump the start gate a little bit there. So I'll just back it up a little bit. So what'd you think about it? <sighs> this fucking guy. <laughs> so... Uh, when I first saw the trailer for this film, I thought, oh, another Steven Spielberg true event story. <laughs> it's going to be the same thing as all his other films. Just eh, the same plan going here. Spielberg, little sprinkles in of what he does, and then the film will be over, and I'll think it was okay. And for the most part, there there really, for me, was nothing overly special with Bridge of Spies, but... As with a lot of other Spielberg films that I haven't thought were overly amazing, I thought it was a thought it was a pretty good movie. I, huh. I I didn't think there was anything that would that would make me think that this was a like monumentally incredible film. Like this wasn't <laughs> well, that would be pretty high praise. But that's what I'm saying. Like Spielberg has a lot of other films that through time have been that. Right. Whether it Indiana be Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. And... Okay, now you're Red Wings. Now you're being a dick. Oh wait, no, that's not. But. Good. You talk about Schindler's List or E.T. or Jurassic Park, um, movies that have been major cultural uh, and also major film even. Maybe not Jurassic Park, but Schindler's List or Munich are examples where lately um, some of his films have just seemed kind of to just continue on the usual Spielberg. This is what I'm going to do. The and I'm Spielberg gonna make... spiel. Well, yeah, he's going to make a film that's <laughs> oh. going to be a very specific style and you're going to get what you're going to get and that's going to be it. How old is he? Steven Spielberg? He's got to be 60, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. That's about... He's up there. I mean, I mean he's 68. Wow. Almost wow. 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 God, I thought we'd gotten past that Owen Wilson shit. Nah. We, we still haven't. Not yet. It's nah. really too bad. I mean, he's, he's like in his like late 60s. Like, I could... I could totally see why he doesn't want to implement anything new or or progress. Like he's already kind of like cashed well, in everything else. Well, you don't have else. to progress. I mean, it's a it's a matter of like look at like Martin Scorsese. He's older than Steven Spielberg, and he he's not making different movies. Although sometimes he is in the last like five years because he's made like Shutter Island and Hugo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's definitely trying. But look at his last film. That's one of his best films, uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. And yet that's 
pretty much uh, just like standard fare, good fellas like a casino. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of a shame that he's not really. You know, if you're not going to progress, then at least try to bring back what you once, you know, made great. Well, and he's doing things here that are classic Steven Spielberg things. He's he's doing great montage scenes, which have always mm-hmm. been a staple in a lot of his films. Uh, he, he's he's telling a story really well of of this event that happened, um, including Tom Hanks's character uh, James Donovan. And I, I was intrigued throughout most of the film, but for the most part, though, it's just. That's the thing. Like, it feels like there's still something missing from this. That there, there isn't that you know extra spark that really was able to keep me interested and make me think this was a great film. And you know, it's unfortunate. And um, yeah, I, I really did like it. I thought it was a really good film that I would watch again. But again, um, Steven Spielberg. I, I guess maybe it's a problem. But I, I, I hold him to a little higher esteem than other directors and filmmakers because. He is, and it was for a long time, like the like the gold standard of a filmmaker or of Hollywood. And for the most part, I feel like most of his recent films have just been pretty good. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but that being said, if you want to see Bridge of Spies, I I'd say go see it. I don't I don't think it's something you should avoid necessarily, but yeah, yeah, just pretty good for me. It's a good two and a half hours of your life. Sure, <laughs> yeah, and there are there are good performances. Alan Alda is in it, which. I love Alan Alda, and any time we get to see him on screen, I'm I'm willing to go see it and take it because he probably won't be doing films. Well, he's going to be at least retiring at some point. He's like 86 years old. Yeah, thanks. But we, we get Alan Alda. We get a really good performance by uh, a, a guy named Mark Rylance, who, who plays the... Oh, uh, the, Mark. The, Get out of here! I don't know. He plays. Fuck you, son of a bitch! He plays the Russian spy who God, gets me money. He plays the Russian spy who gets captured, and he does a really good job, I think. And even Amy Ryan, who plays a small role, is Amy Tom Ryan's wife. She's, she's always good. she's great in this film. She's great. And you know the period uh, specific set design and and costuming, and even the way that the people are and the, the way they act in the film is done so well. But again, uh, just uh, overall, just feels like something's missing a little bit and i just just wish steven would just uh push a little more towards trying new things but yes steven yeah. you listening <laughs> yeah you hear me you better yeah oh boy i don't i don't think he's listening there man yeah no, no. i like minority report buddy i don't care if nobody else did <laughs> oh boy guess he would be in the minority for the minority no. <laughs> I know. It's so good. Ghosts are real. This much I know. What do you be mine? Take a little walk to the edge of town. Go across the track. Edith, this is my sister. There are parts of the house that are unsafe. Secrets I can imagine the two of you in here as children. We were not allowed in here as children. We were confined to the nursery in the attic. On a gathering storm comes a tall handsome Proceed with caution. Has anyone died? 
this house. Specific deaths, violent deaths. I have to leave. I'm here to take you away. There's nowhere else to go. This is your home now. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, new drama fantasy horror film Crimson Peak on today's episode, directed uh, by Guillermo del Toro. This film uh, uh, is about a aftermath of a family tragedy where an aspiring author is torn between love for her childhood friend and the temptation of a mysterious outsider. Trying to escape the ghosts of her past, she is swept away to a house that breathes, bleeds, and remembers these imdb uh, synopsises are really bad we need to find new ones uh mia wazowski is the star playing edith cushing uh, the other main players in this film are jessica chastain tom hiddleston and charlie hunnam who you would know from sons of anarchy and from pacific rim and undeclared can we just throw in Jim Beaver just because? Let's do it. Why not? Okay. He also happens to be here. Doug Jones also, uh, who plays that great role in also, Hel- Her in name Hel- is Mia Wasikowska. You said like Wasikowski or something. Oh, did I? Yeah. Yeah. She, Hands in an A. She's a. Uh, did I did I pretty much go with like the Wachowski thing and just went with yeah. that? So how do you pronounce it again? Wasikowska. Okay. But I mean, I don't. Like, that's me like sounding it out. I think it's like okay. But yeah, she was the the lead actress in uh, Stoker. She was, yeah. Among she other was things. also in Alice in Wonderland. She well, was. Let's not that talk about that. True. I know. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> She'll be in Alice in Wonderland too. As well. Oh, oh yeah. no, no. But yeah. Put that uh, to rest. Also, Doug Jones, who is fabulous in the Hellboy films, uh, is in this playing Edith's mother. Surprisingly, so that's an interesting. <laughs> Just a little toss it in there. Did I'm guessing he played the ghost uh, of that. <laughs> yeah, I would that. assume so. Yeah. <laughs> there was no real other form. Was there? Um, I, I don't think so. No, but, but yeah, I, I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So Crimson Peak, uh, Sam and Toussaint, this is more in their wheelhouse where this really, uh, at least on paper, is not something that I don't know. I, I want to speak for Nick, but this Good. is more... Okay, this is more that something that Nick and T- or not Nick that Toussaint and Sam would gravitate towards than you and I. I think, even though I know you really do like Guillermo del Toro's work, I do. So, um, and I knew uh, pre seeing the film, I was the uh, the least interested of of us on that. And uh, I'll get to that. But who who wants to start us off, uh, Sam or Sam. Toussaint? Oh boy! Every, I love how they're just pointing at each other. Like, no, not me. Yeah. I'm gonna pass out gloves so you guys can slap each other for a duel. Do That's we want to okay. do like a game of rock paper scissors in this moment in time? No, or? Sam. I want you to go first. Oh. All, all right. I'm still wow. preparing my thoughts. <laughs> and I'm not okay. Um, <laughs> Boom! In uh, the face. All right. I guess I'll start then. Do you um, want to? I, I'm just saying. If you, I mean, if you don't want to, I'll go. Well, I was going to say, I'll step in if, if someone needs to be an adult here. I'll do it. I'll hey. do it if you want me to. Just kidding. Um, no, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll start. All right. Um, so I, I initially, when I seen like the initial trailers for this movie. The trailers. Um, it always comes back to the trailers for this does. movie. Um, I, I got like really excited about this cause I thought, oh my gosh, this can like really be like a really 
well done like horror thriller movie um that's not just like a saw movie no mm-hmm. offense um <laughs> this was nothing like any of the saw films exactly. just to let you know um, where, <laughs> that's a good thing <laughs> where it's you know just just blood and gore and things like that and i i tend to gravitate more towards historical pieces as well mm-hmm. um especially like um this one's kind of like an american gothic romance yes. um so of course you have that um, that, that gothic element to it, which is, you know, a nice pull in. Um, and I, I got really excited about it. Um, and I also adore Tom Hiddleston's acting and and things like that. Um, initially watching it, um, there were, you know, it, it was nice. It was a, it was a good movie. Um, but I don't feel like it lived up to my expectations of it. Um, I guess I expected a lot more of it than I than I maybe should have. Um, just because I was anticipating a little bit more um of a plot development and more character depth in it, um, versus what was actually given. I felt like I was kind of cheated out of some of the, the character, you know, followings essentially. Um and I felt like there were maybe like little gaps that could have been filled very easily. Um and uh i mean otherwise visually it's beautiful um the ghosts um are very fascinating and i absolutely adore um the the different colors that are used um how you have the mother who's in black um and it's more skeletal in form um but there's still clothing essentially um versus the victims that are in the house and everything that are just skeletal forms with like the red muck essentially on them um or like the red clay um, Whatever that was. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a had, metaphor. <laughs> for life. That's yeah. fine. Um, <laughs> so you have those. And then the last one is just um, the character of Thomas being in white. And that's a full human form versus just like a skeletal form and whatnot. Um, and I thought it was it was very interesting how those were played. Um, as well as like the way the houses, um, I was actually just talking to my cousin before, before all of this. Um, and she had watched a, um, director's cut of her like kind of interview piece. Um, and he discussed that that was one of the major things that he wanted to focus on was the idea of like colors, um, with, you know, the Gothic romance tie in. And apparently the set was, um, most, I think it was about like 80% of it was actually made um, and built to scale. Yeah, I know um, they built that house for yeah, the most part. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that that's Insane. some dedication right Furnished there. Furnished with his own paintings. Like, oh, that's really <laughs> neat. Oh, have you ever seen his house? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. I want that house. Seriously. I haven't seen it. I'll have to Oh look, my God, just like, Google Guillermo del Toro's house. There's like literally videos of him doing like tours through it because it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Can I go it's like, exactly, on a tour instead of just Googling it? I'm like, sure if you, yeah, oh. he's on Twitter. You can probably just DM <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, you but, know. No, but it's exactly what you think Guillermo del Toro is like, you know, decorates his house with. It's, yeah. it's great. Yeah. It's, I mean, otherwise, I mean, I, th- I think it was good, um, and I, I found it very fascinating. Um, some of the, I, I mean, like I mentioned before, it was visually very appealing, um, extremely appealing. Um, but, I mean, some of, the, some of the plot things were a little cliche to me, um, like with the idea of the incest between the siblings. Um, I know, and- that, that hit too close to home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry that, that yeah... Um, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Crimson Peak. <laughs> um, 
I mean, that that was a little cliche, though. I did really appreciate um, the reason I brought up Jim Beaver was because that <laughs> that scene where he's getting his head bashed into the sink, that was actually really as as frightening as it sounds. That was really awesome. Yeah. Um. It was it was well done. It was the music in the background that did it for me, like that old tiny yeah. music and. The fact that he's in there shaving in the water has kind of risen up, and that that was mm-hmm. that was a standout yeah. scene in the film for me. The whole yeah. first half hour reminded me of like Bioshock, like as far yeah. as like this like creepy like old timey you know landscape with like very ultra violence mm-hmm. and weird sci fi mm-hmm. whatnot. Uh, yeah, I thought you would appreciate that too. I did, I did. Thank <laughs> you, man. There you go. Yeah. You can have that. Yeah. I like it. Do it we? Was, do, uh, do we? Yeah. <clears throat> please, if you have anything else, but if not, who wanna? Pass the baton to Dusan if he wants to maybe finally have opinions on it or, or not. If, if that's okay, it's all yours, Dusan. If, if you've been able to I compile, see you a deep breath. yes. If you've been able to compile your thoughts and if you have them now, we'd we love are, to hear them. We're gonna be silent and we're here for you. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, dear listener. I've seen quite the cinematic screw turning in my time, oh but Crimson Peak was one humdinger of a penny dreadful. Anyway. Um, that's what you were planning to do with your intro, wasn't it? I yeah. like Penny Dreadful. That's, <laughs> a, that's a good show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I decided to take a step back uh, when this movie first came out, just to see how critical reception was was panning out. Because you know, I always want to root for for Del Toro. I love Del Toro. He's a good guy. Um, you know him personally? No. Oh, well, I wish I did. <laughs> he seems like a cool guy. I'd visit his house, have dinner, play with action figures. That'd be cool. Anyway. <laughs> What? The guy who made Pacific Rim doesn't play with action figures. Fuck that, man. Um, hey, I, I just love that he had the backbone to say, I don't want to do The Hobbit anymore. Here, Peter, you take this. Yeah. Love yeah. That. But um, from from the initial impressions of the trailer, I thought it was going to be a straight horror film. Like a, like See, a, this is like a, a gothic horror. This I is agree. a recurring theme of people saying, But you oh, shouldn't this judge is... a movie based on what it's not. You should only judge it based on what it is. Yeah, which is Trailers, true. unfortunately, yes, can yeah. raise expectations, but that is not... Guillermo del Toro did, probably did not create that trailer. And yeah. ultimately, oh, yeah. that's why you can't... But that's part of the problem, though, is that you see a trailer, and unfortunately the way things are today you see a trailer and the way it's shown and you have certain expectations of what a film is going to be right and when it's something not totally different but definitely different than what the promotional material was you have to at least have a different opinion than what you thought you were going to right well i mean i guess i just maybe i'm just cynical but i just i I don't take any trailers at face value anymore i know because you you uh you know you don't put any real stock into promotional material which is totally fine yeah I mean, you know I, the ploys of the marketing departments. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while, a cool trailer comes out. Um, but other than that, I, I still don't even really like. Like, I'll just appreciate it as like a little mini movie in and yeah. of itself, but not as for like advertising. And you know, I've seen a Guillermo del Toro movie before, and uh, one of his horror movies. And so that's why when I saw the trailer, it was one of those things where when I saw the trailer, I, I was like, you know, I doubt that this is what it's going to be. And sure enough, I guess maybe that was part of the problem as far as like the mainstream hasn't really seen like him do a horror movie in a while because i think the last one he did was like pan's labyrinth mm-hmm. uh, which isn't even straight up horror either which is another reason why i was i think well versed as to what to expect <laughs> you're gonna take the words right out of my mouth buddy i'm so <laughs> you're sorry gonna, you're gonna take my opinion on his anyway. i didn't really give an opinion on the film so please continue god anyway <laughs> oh, okay so we're talking about the trailer That's what happens when you waste your time on old-timey speak <laughs> You know what? It was better. It than was your, good. It was better than your intro. Anyway, oh. um, it was. Throw down. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, I agree about the sentiment about the trailer. I mean, it's I I don't really want to judge the the merits of the film because I think the film mm-hmm. on its own is good. Besides, like the uh, the the promotional material that uh, that like preceded it, I can't say that for some other films, Prometheus. Um, but I really enjoyed it as a gothic light horror romance mm-hmm. sort of thing. I really enjoyed the production value. Most of all, I love the lighting with like the the deep emerald hues like juxtaposed against like the the warmer like orange tints like especially towards the beginning <laughs> mm-hmm. and then it kind of like shifted to like this balance between like white and red white and yeah. red um i thought that that was really cool i also something that i really appreciated was um the use of scene transitions with like the old like like zoom in like pinhole like irises and like the swipes that you don't see other than in like a film like and I know you already talked about Star Wars but that's <laughs> even th- those are like throwbacks to a different era and, and sentiment of film that I thought was really cool to like bring that forward in this. Um, Tom Hiddleston was was awesome as uh, a a atypical mysterious Byronic suitor Mister Rochester. Um, <laughs> And I really enjoyed, I, I thought the 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 mansion was cool too, even though it doesn't look like any human being should live in this. There's a fucking hole in the ceiling. I was gonna say there's, there's a like fucking sm- hole in the ceiling. Oh, yeah. don't mind the chill. It's just you know it's, there, it's something there that happens. There is red clay coming out of the fucking seams of this kitchen. It's so unsanitary. I, I hate to be this guy, and they they at least remedied this when it started snowing. Yeah, but early in the film, we keep seeing leaves fall through the ceiling pretty much at every turn. And where are these leaves going? You want to know why? Because there's probably a garden on top of this fucking mansion. Yeah, but no, where where are the leaves that are inside now? Why are there not leaves all over this house? Why? why, What? Well, and I want to know I'm sorry, I hate to be that guy, but... No, I'll I'll piggyback on that, actually, because when you you see, like, the, the view from afar, like... There's no trees that are right next no, to the house. They're it makes miles out. No sense. So yeah. where are the They're called ghost trees, from? you guys. <laughs> it's a spooky Christ. tree. You never seen a horror film before? Hey, man, if no. they could get Batman fucking cars on top of the roof, they could make leaves fall through the ceiling here. So, yeah. You know, I really enjoyed the... Uh, uh, <laughs> monster design for for lack of a better term for the creature design for the wives and their ghosts mm-hmm. especially um when uh what what's her name Esther I can't remember her I can't Edith Edith, Edith yeah Edith is in the bathtub and you see the ghost that's coming like down the hallway and it, like puts its hand on the the rim of the the door and you see that she doesn't Would have you a say with the Pacific rim yeah the, the Pacific rim of the door yes <laughs> Nick and she, and her ring finger has been been cut off like oh that ring's gonna be important in the end and it's not but it's just there and all their heads are like caved in for some reason I was like oh that's that's pretty pretty neat well their heads are caved in because I assume that's the mo of of the Jessica Chastain character, I was right? going to say, weren't they like? That's, I mean, most of them were like brutally killed. I thought, killed, them, I thought right? they were with, with like correct because we they see were bludgeoned. that's how the Jessica Chastain character killed the father. I thought some of them were poisoned, and then like some that, maybe. But I'm just saying, the if mother in the bathtub. Yeah, yeah. The mother true. in the bathtub with the butcher <laughs> <laughs> with the butcher knife in the bathroom, which the with the butcher knife and, the and incest. It's, um, <laughs> Throw in an incest card. You kill their spirit with the incest. Well, it's the best. It's the best adaptation of Clue ever. 
Yeah. No, the best. Can I get those cards clue. added to my like clue collection yeah. now? That would, yes, I would please. totally buy a Crimson Peak clue game. Right. That would I be think it would actually be really cool. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I'm gonna call Hashbro. Hashbro. Did you say Hashbro? It's Hasbro. Hasbro. Whatever. Hasbro. I like Hasbro better. Give me some fucking Hashbro. Hasbro. I said Hasbro. Okay. Okay. I'm done. Okay. Yeah. Who wants to go next, me or you, man? I'll go. Okay. <clears throat> well, I think I like this movie the most out of all of us. Uh, I, It's one of those movies where it's, I, you know, as per the conversation and the diatribe that I went on last week when we were talking about horror films, I, I'm glad that this movie is way more concerned with setting up an effective atmosphere than it is to actually dole out scares because, in my opinion, like, that will always be more scary in a more, I don't know, evocative sense than, uh, you know, a, a simple jump scare will be. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to all the complaints that anyone can lobby at this uh, movie, I'm sorry, sorry, there's something going on over here. No, you want to share with the rest of the class? Uh, actually, yeah. Yeah. One of my, uh, my friends actually posted like a short like status review of Crimson Peak. Okay. If I can read that out for the class. Yeah, no. Actually, Since actually has to, otherwise <laughs> I was going to say we were going to cut this out. Because, but because I'm actually, actually pretty proud of it. Uh, okay. My friend Tom was like, Crimson Peak, more like red flags. If some mysterious Lannisters appear to whisk you away, just say no. Also, if somebody runs around a decrepit gothic manor at 2 a.m. in a flowing nightgown with a four-candle candlestick, of course they're going to get haunted. They're asking for it. Just look at the way they're dressed. <laughs> Okay, then. That is an opinion. Uh, yeah. Um, I thought it was entertaining. No, that's just, uh, I don't really think I understand the first part, but the uh, the second oh. part. I know. Was, it, was a, it was a reference to Game of Thrones. It's okay. Mm. Uh, See, I've only watched like seven episodes of Game of Thrones, but I've, I still got the reference. I've watched three seasons of it, and I, <laughs> that's how little I care about Game of Thrones. Um, but let's see here. No, Crimson Peak. So... As I was saying, like there are so many complaints you can lob against uh, Crimson Peak. Whether yeah, you can attack the the character development, or you can, uh, uh, you know go after how the plot makes no sense. And I completely admit that because like I still don't understand the point of the basement, <laughs> like the you know like and or even really the scheme that they were going for the entire time. Like was was their like was their plan to like kill her for a sacrifice? I mean, they don't really ever see. See, here's the thing: if it's all supposed to be. If it's all supposed to be symbolism, then then I mean, you still have to have a physical reason for it. You can't just say, "Well, it's symbolism." Like right, I feel right. like that's that's such a bullshit throwaway. I feel, that I feel you need, like yeah. uh, Gilmore is more caught up in the aesthetics of this film than he right. is actually mm-hmm. the reasoning of it, and that's why it just isn't as and here's uh, the thing satisfying as a horror film. Well, and that's that's why the movie works for me because. Okay. I'm never, ever usually going to buy into a horror film's plot. I mean, they always make no sense. It's always, why did you go into that room? Why is this person that hell-bent on exacting revenge? Why is this, you know, there's just, it's just, it never makes sense to me. So the fact that Guillermo pretty much, I think, ignored it because he knows what he's good at, which is the aesthetics, like, that's why I, I did eat this up. And I, I completely understand why some of the acting might be considered bland. Really, for me, only Charlie Hunnam falls into that category. Like, everybody else, I think, is perfectly casted uh as far as like mia wazikowska looks exactly like what i envision like a gothic horror you know damsel looks like mm-hmm. but um and that hair yes like, yeah i was gonna say that those hair. wavy locks dog <laughs> i'm just saying like that's that's that and like the like that pale angelic face type thing and uh jessica chastain definitely uh probably brought down the house with her performance as far as compared to everybody else um but no i i hate it up because 
at the end of the day, I'm never going to care about these characters. I'm never going to care what their motivations are. I just want to be sucked into this world, and that's what this film did for me. Half of that's because it looked gorgeous. I mean, the cinematography in this film is amazing, and there's so many colors, like you were pointing out, Sam, that it's it's so crazy because a lot of these types of films were made back in the days of black and white filmmaking. Mm -hmm. So luckily, Guillermo del Toro is here, and he's still interested in making these kind of films, and we were able to get something that came to life in a completely different different way than the the best films of this genre uh were able to uh anyway tucson just made a weird gesture that i don't understand <laughs> because i wanted to like raise a point that i forgot to mention in my own assessment uh, of the film. well now you kind of have to right? okay well, let's hear it okay so there are two points that i really enjoy in this you film. just added the point <laughs> what the fuck tucson okay you gotta choose one of them no they're both good all right go okay when tom hiddleston um is dancing with uh with edith Mm-hmm. And they're doing like the whole candle thing, whatever. And my eyes were on the candle the entire time. I was like, it's going to go out. It's going to go out. This is like the most intense game of Dance Dance Revolution I've ever seen. <laughs> like, holy shit. And it didn't go out. It was like, it was great. But I also really enjoyed like the, the clan- magic of filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I, did you, were, just like, just, <laughs> I went, <laughs> let's talk about this. Yeah. When, when you say that you were on the edge of your seat on, on whether this candle. <laughs> Would go out. Is it, was it, like? Did you think that like it was gonna go out and then like something scary was gonna happen? Or, yeah. Oh, because okay. you know there were no other candles on in the room or anything. Yeah, but yeah. that one in particular. So I think that's, that's a lit, I think that's a litmus test. Whereas I was watching it, going, "Oh my god, there's a cute couple and they're in love and they're dancing is but they're overpowering." Not in love, well, they they were. I mean, they. Were they just corner anyway. Um, well, I mean, according to the own to the character's own. Well, we're going to address this since we're having this discussion. I mean, okay. Were, were they not? I don't get it. Were they not in love? Did I miss something? I think towards the end they I mean, were in the love. early stages of courting. They were yeah, courting. I don't mean like full-blown yeah. love, but I'm just saying they were falling for each other type thing. I mean, yeah. She was not going to go to that party unless Tom Hiddleston asked her, and he... Right, but he was asking her to try to get her to go back with them so they could do their... Whatever they were going to do with that her, I guess. You, I guess. So, am I the only person that thought that he was like head over no, heels think, for her? No, I think, I think that's the thing. That oh. at the beginning of the film, I think he views her as a means to an end, right? Yeah. Where as time goes on, he falls more in love with her. Oh, I guess I mis- not misinterpreted, but my interpretation was that that's what he was always telling the sister. But from that moment on, he like from the moment sure. he met her, that mm-hmm. that he was like. But I, I think a lot of that, like him going to the house to collect her to go to the party, was more involved with that. Where a plot it, point, right? Where whereas, it, as the movie progresses, he gets more in love with her and cares more for her than. Just, oh yeah, I mean, I think it grows. Right, I, I agree with that. I guess yeah, it's just a matter of whether what the viewer thinks whether it, like he wasn't in love with her at all in the beginning. And that's and he, that's that definitely it. something that's up for yeah. debate. There's not a right or wrong no, answer no, no, for yeah. it. So. I was just trying to clarify okay. what we meant when we were saying that. Um, okay, what was the other Tucson's thing you were going to say, Tucson? I really enjoyed the final like climactic like confrontation between oh, Lucille that makes, and that makes Edith. One of us. Yes. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I mean, that was good. I really enjoyed fine. it just because it was so stupid and they're just like <laughs> like going back and forth, back and forth. She picks up a shovel and then uh, Edith just like, look behind you! And then Lucille actually does it sees the ghost and she's right. like whack just cracks her skull and like fuck yeah just set match thank yeah. you doesn't she hit she doesn't Edith's character hit Lucille twice yes. yeah yeah so like the she first time the like most you know badass line in the whole movie when she's like I heard you the first time and I was like yeah yeah you did yeah. I thought that was great that's pretty good um, but going back really quickly to my general thoughts to Sant. <laughs> <laughs> 
No problem. It's not like you interrupted me like within a sentence of my assessment. Anyway, that was what's something important. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, what, what was I gonna say? Um, but yeah, no. But in a, in a movie like this, this is a gothic horror romance, like like we like we've already all pointed out. And the only thing that I I care about when I watch a movie like this, because it's also I would say fifty percent kind of haunted house tale as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I ever care about is this is not whether the characters are well defined, not whether the plot is well defined, but is whether the house is a character in and of itself. And I think by the end of this movie, I was yes, like I I wanted to know, like I wanted to see into every single room. I wanted to see like you know the different horror escapades that would you know like how it looks when a ghost visits her in the bathtub versus how it looks when she digs up the the ghost in the clay in the basement. You know, so it's like it's not so much that it has to make sense, but as long as I like start to believe that this house is some kind of living entity or it is like a harbinger and you know a, a, a nest for like that's all I ever care about because that's all that ever matters in the end um sure I do I wish that it was a little loftier in its ambition and maybe well-rounded the characters a little more and actually thought through the plot more than once uh absolutely I mean yeah that would make it a better film because I don't think it's uh, a you know a classic or anything like that, but uh, this is 2015, and we have not had uh, just straight up, yeah, gothic horror romance, and like I don't remember how long. And when we have a filmmaker that's this technically competent to give us that, I yeah. what, what else can I ask for from Guillermo del Toro personally? So, I, I was a, I was a big fan of it to be honest. So let's hear how you were not, Alex. Yeah, I, I'm guessing you could probably infer, but I uh, I was not a fan of this film. Uh, I will say, uh, just kind of going off of what everyone else has been saying, that obviously the coloring in this film is absolutely fabulous. And I really don't think there's any debate about who does coloring the best in films these days. It's it's Guillermo del Toro. And when you see the, the sort of different coloring he has in even the same rooms, it's just it's just amazing seeing the, those scenes happen on, you know, on on the screen and in the, in the film. And it's just... It's just something that you can look at and just really enjoy seeing. And also, uh, another thing that I'll say about this film that I did like, uh, early on in the film, um, some of the, the settings and the, some of the scenes that were set, I thought were done really well. Like when the first ghost visits Mia Wasikowska's character uh, when she's a child, I mean, that scene of the, the ghost walking through the hallway and up the stairs, I mean, that was just awesome. And I also did really enjoy the storyline between her and her father and sort of the weirdness that was happening with her mother's death. And I did really enjoy the nice parallel uh, between her not being allo- allowed to see her mother because of the, the, the thing that happened with her mother's face. Yeah. And then we have them trying to have her not look at her father's face uh, when obviously he was murdered mm-hmm. and uh, they were trying to keep her away from that. Um However, after the the marriage between her and uh, Tom Hiddleston's character happens and she goes back to England, uh, that's, unfortunately for me, when the film lost me and I just was not interested anymore. Uh, the story here, I'll, I'll disagree with what you're saying, Nick, is where I feel like you cannot have a film that does not have an engaging story. And I just was not engaged at all from this story. And, and it's it's really too bad because I feel like Every single plot point that this film tries to hammer home or even have is somewhat of a reveal towards the end. Like, I feel like the first time we get introduced to what that plot point may be, I like was sitting there just thinking, oh, 
He's diddling the sister. And sure enough, <laughs> at the end of the film, yes, there was this sister. incestuous relationship happening between them. So you're upset that it didn't surprise you in that respect? Not that it didn't surprise oh. me. It's just that I feel like the story was not written very well. And I, you know, I, I just would like the film I think to be the, a better film. I think the story is just way more straightforward than, like, well, not that you give it credit for it, but, like, that, that's all it was trying to be because what like what you just said just now like oh i thought he was diddling the sister and then it turns out he's diddling the sister yeah because the film was never trying to be anything i would say uh twisty or okay turny. but however when you get to the final scene not the final scene but the scene where mia wazakowska's character edith walks in and sees them together and there's like this big boom boom and she's just like oh my god this is really happening if it's I, happening if i as the viewer actually was also surprised by this i feel like this seat that would be a much better scene but than here's I'm, okay I, I and I, I i guess i could see that other like, people could see this film and not pick that out right away like I did. No, but... no, no. I think you're supposed to pick that out. I think what you're conf- conflating is the idea that your perspective should always be with the 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 protagonist of a horror film's perspective because they're always in the dark about what's actually happening. Otherwise, you're not watching a horror film. You're you know, you're you're watching a straight up drama, but You have to know more than Right. The you're always going to be aware of, of the true. monster down the hallway around the corner whereas the character isn't. So that's why I mean that's just a that's just a staple of the that's horror fine, genre. But I I and, and if we're just talking about that part of the horror genre, I just really don't like it and it does not work for me in terms of films and even if uh, uh, other people like it, that's totally fine. That doesn't mean I, I honestly like it. no, it doesn't. I would just pointed out as far as like what you were saying, like right as far as that's how I interpret it as to why it played. But, the, out but that's why I'm saying that I would have liked that a lot more. It would have made this a better film for me if it wasn't just going by the book with that and having this really honestly ridiculous story that I just couldn't get behind. I honestly thought that the twist of this film, like what I was anticipating was that they kept on courting these women in order to like steal their money and mm-hmm. that they were offering these women up as a blood sacrifice to something that was living underneath wait I'm we not never... done yet that was living underneath the house and that in fact Tom Hiddleston and his like sister were not dealing each other but rather they were fucking ghosts yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. That. That. That was the other point I was going to get to about this film, other than the plot, which I wasn't really crazy about, as I, I just mentioned. There were so many dead ends with this story, and I just really I would have preferred there not to be. I. The, 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 <laughs> I'd prefer if it wasn't. <laughs> yes, I, I, I would prefer if we did not have, spend this entire time, uh, you know, hearing about this invention or, or this machine that Tom Hiddleston is building, and then it's just all supposed to be a metaphor. I. Uh, not that doesn't really do it for me that there wasn't actually a physical reason why he was trying to uh, bring this stuff up from the from the earth and this red goo below them and yeah there were other parts of the story that I just I just could not like and another problem too kind of reminds me of Ghostbusters too not the same like it has goo <laughs> underneath something does, yeah. There, yeah, there, a little there, bit yeah there's the the problem another problem is too it's Vigo is. <laughs> Anyway, good to you. I'm sorry. Yeah, can I? Is yeah. that okay? Or are you going to interrupt me this time? I don't know. Sorry. The, this fucking guy. The The problem with me was the consistency of the ghosts, too, where they really, to me, are not an actual part of this story and not an actual part of the, the this house that they really only show up when it's absolutely convenient for the plot of we have these ghosts who are not just showing up at random points, but, oh, she's... 
sitting here and something's really happened in the story. Then, oh, this ghost pops out and starts scaring her. And then and it's even they, lampshaded what? in the story itself. Like when, when she's actually like handing in her ghost story at the beginning, it was like, well, the ghost is a metaphor for the past. But then we get at the very end when it's we only s- only see these ghosts that they randomly show up at times. Then at the most, you know, Im- important time for her when she's about to get murdered by Jessica Chastain, who, by the way, was the only really good thing about this film, in my opinion. I mm. thought she was fantastic. Mm. Then all of a sudden, this ghost of Tom Hiddleston, who was just murdered, shows up randomly and, and gets involved in this. And I don't know. I, I guess just for me, I just wasn't buying into it. That's That makes sense. For me, none of that, I would say, bothers me because I've always thought of ghost stories as like... There's always two stories happening. There's there's the foreground story, which is the humans and what they're doing. But then what's, al- what's always interesting to me about a ghost narrative is that the humans who are your protagonists are always the visitors, in a sense, yeah. to the real story, which is, of course, what the, the ghosts are going through. And, whatnot. and I'm not saying that these ghosts were like characters in and yeah. of themselves as far as like they were so well-defined or anything like that. But that's why, as far as like them popping up, that's actually what made it, I would say, more you know spooky, not scary. That's different you know as far as uh actual feeling but you know spooky because that it did lead, lead me to think that you know like they they like every time they one did pop up and i'm like oh then they need to get out of this house because they clearly are not you know like meant to be there and to coexisting with these and so that's why i guess that's once once again that's just another staple of of typically of, of i would say ghost narratives is that is the feeling of like they only interject when they you know feel like they have to because re- yeah. in reality there, there's nothing that's really gonna you know hurt them their ghosts but again as, as we talked about last week this is just another staple of of this sort of genre and this sort sort of story that just shows up and Again, another issue is I felt like there was absolutely nothing new here that really got me interested in the story, uh, especially after they moved to England to the and even the reveal of, oh, well, this place used to be called Crimson Peak. I was like, oh, shit, because, you know, that wasn't going to always happen. How did mom know? Yeah. How did she know? Yeah, And why didn't she fucking tell me? That bitch. <laughs> Pardon me. Sorry. I was really being... Wow. I, I tried um, to be funny and it fell flat. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. Um, you know what's weird? Because I watched The Shining this weekend. I noticed, like, I'm not trying to compare two horror movies just because they're both horror movies. Mm-hmm. But there were three things that I felt like were not, if not direct uh, homages, but at least nods because they are both kind of haunted uh, building stories. Uh, simply because it's like if, if, if any one of these was in the film by itself, I wouldn't have think it, but because uh, I counted three things all in the same movie, then I felt like there was like a, a shell game going on. Mm-hmm. But for one thing, um, the manner in which, and I know this is very, very like subtle or whatever. Just go for it, bro. But the the <laughs> manner in which Edith stands out of the bathtub completely looks like room two thirty seven. Uh, yeah. Like literally the exact same movement of like the way she like first folds her uh, knees and then like unbends them just to like stand up straight. Anyway, that was a weird thing. But then later on, there's a um, w- uh, the ball with the dog. There is a scene in mm-hmm. The Shining when a ball or yeah, a ball rolls to Jack um, while he's playing on the floor, and it comes from out of the frame. I thought that was a little weird. And then, of course, the the, the clay itself is it's a house that bleeds, just like uh, the Shining Overlook Hotel. So I just I, th- I thought there was some interesting. It was it was definitely an inspiration because yeah. uh, one of my friends actually went to uh, Fantastic Fest. Okay, he actually mentioned that in one of his reviews. 
that uh, Gilmore like did like a like a Q and A before the film, like talking about like how um, Stanley Kubrick's like The Shining was an inspiration to him because he had such a master of space, <laughs> and obviously like those visual nods that you're talking about yes. were definitely integrated in there I'm too. I'm gonna say that I'm glad I picked up on that because, like I said, like if, if it was just one of these, then no, I wouldn't have thought anything of it. But the fact that like you know, it's like every time I thought that oh that's just a coincidence, like then another one would pop up. I'm like okay, now there's something going on here. So anyway, <laughs> well good. I'm glad to hear that you saw it. Yeah. How are we feeling about this movie, huh? <laughs> this, I've this... kind of given my two cents. I, I don't really feel like I have that much else to, to talk about other than individual. As I mentioned, Jessica Chastain, who I, I think delivers a great performance here, and she's playing the most interesting character in the film I, for me. I will say one thing that none of us have really talked about, only briefly, uh, is that this is definitely a Guillermo del Toro film because the violence that does ensue is brutal. Like, it's not mm-hmm. uh, your cartoonish, like, knife wound to the chest and then somehow no it blood. Looks like ketchup and, or something. Yeah, because, I mean, first of all, the head bashing of the... the 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 father when that happened let me Tom think. Just, Beaver yeah mm-hmm. when, when that happened Jim Beaver um, Jim is it Jim or Tom Jim, Jim Beaver Jim, Jim Beaver yeah. he's Sorry. in Supernatural as Bobby oh, for anyone who's watched yeah. that TV series Bobby <laughs> um, but yeah like from that or even um, like Tom Tom Hiddleston getting stabbed not in the eye but like, but like a, right yeah like that's almost creepier to me just because you don't see something like that every day you know it's always like in horror movies, they go for the pressure points as far yeah. as, like, what what people get creeped out by. But just seeing, like, yeah, I guess someone get, like, stabbed through the cheek. Like, it's those kind of, like, horrors that are, you know, they're not so gross out. Like, they're, like, torture porn or anything like that. But he, he you know, Guillermo del Toro has an imagination not just for set design, but also where to impale somebody. And, <laughs> and it, it totally worked for me in that respect as well. Anyway. I feel good about this movie. Yeah, I feel good. I, I walked I, out of the theater and I, I I enjoyed it for what it was. It wasn't. It, I, it really didn't didn't scratch the itch that I personally go for in a in a I'll horror get that film. For you, buddy. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> but it was. I scratched you, son, for the listeners. Yes, yes could not did. see that. Yes, he did. But it was just a very well produced film. Get away from me! Um, wow. And yeah, I, I'm trying to think about like other notable things that I really enjoyed about it. Is like, how did you guys feel about the score? Did the score ever like stick out to you? Yeah, I like the score because I, I like that it was actually kind of a nice little mix of like the uh, discordant piano chords of mm-hmm. a lot of horror movies, but also the uh, kind of Hans Zimmer Brahms as well. Like, uh, like it was kind of it was very the Brahms, <laughs> <laughs> not the composer Brahms, yeah. but the Hans Zimmer Brahms. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like that it was like I would say very appropriate for whatever scene it was in because it had to be a ghost story, a haunted house tale, and also a gothic romance and uh, a love story. Yeah. Can we talk about how horrible Charlie Hunnam was, too? Does anybody think he was okay? I mean, okay in the sense that I, he didn't bother me, but no, he's bad in it. Like, it takes a lot for me to, like, actually, like... I, 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 love, I love the cameo from uh, the guy who was the private investigator because he was one of the scientists in uh, Pacific Rim, and so yeah, when they sure. sat down yep. at, the, at the hotel... It was like, I need you to fight the kaiju or something like that. I just wanted something like that. Oh, I want another Pacific Rim. So Honestly, that performance bothered me more than Charlie Hunnam's because he felt like he was in a different movie. <laughs> yeah, he was. No, I'm just saying, like, he did. Yeah, yeah. Like, Charlie Hunnam's is a bad performance, but he was trying to, like, 
act in the same manner. But that we have private Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes over here, yeah, trying but that to private this. eye who had yeah. like had the weird accent that I I can't even pinpoint. I don't know what he was going for. Yeah, he had the weird bowler hat and just like yeah, yeah, that guy's name in like real life. His first name is like Burn or something like that. It's, Burn. it's really weird. That, they should have had Charlie really Day weird. do that instead. That would have been good. Yes. yes well, I looked into it and I thought that <laughs> apparently she's still alive. <laughs> I think it would have been better. I think <laughs> so, actually. If Charlie Day could have been like what Charlie Hunnam, like like his character, <laughs> like he had to go to Crimson Peak. Well, I'll see you in the morning then. <laughs> do your ghost make too much noise? <laughs> Oh my god, yes. Not gonna lie, that would have changed my opinion of this movie. That would have been a five star film. (laughs) Right? Thank you. It'd be five stars just automatically. Charlie Day, done. I'm I'm in it. Well, guys, I don't agree with what's going on here. I gotta say, I. I don't know where I all of a sudden become the head? (laughs) What about the force of his head? (laughs) (laughs) Good times. Yeah, for real. Does anybody have anything else we want to talk about as a group before we go to uh, final thoughts on this film? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I don't think we can really top that. Uh, yeah, that was, a, that, was uh, yeah. A, that was nice. Yeah. That was nice. All right. Uh, so I guess uh, maybe we should go in reverse order and start with me. Is I, uh, I feel like I am mostly in the minority on this film, although I know Sam also was not too high on it. Yeah. But um, At I, least I, with the plot and whatnot. For sure. Um, but I, I usually we try to end with whatever the, the, the majority is less. So since I'm, I'm, I'm the lowest of everybody, I guess I'll go first. I, I was not very high on, on this film. It, it really was not made for me. Uh, and I, I really did not enjoy the story. And uh, even though I, I will admit there are a lot of very beautiful things in this film and a lot of things early on that were interesting for me. Uh, aside from Charlie Hunnam and also uh, Tom Hiddleston, who I'm for some reason just not a fan of. Uh, overall, this film started off pretty good and, and enjoyable, and throughout it had lo- lovely coloring and uh, a lot of interesting things uh, happening technically in it. But overall, I, I just really didn't enjoy it, and I, I thought uh, the story was very much lacking, and I, I just uh, could not stay interested throughout the film. So it's only a two out of five for me, and I, I would not recommend Crimson Peak. Let's move on to Sam. Um, I, while I, you know, I, I do believe that some of the characters um, and the, the plot, definitely I agree with you, Alex, about there being some sort of lag in it. And definitely they could have gone a lot farther with it or they could have developed it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that it was very, I, I, I thought it was well done um, for that classic gothic horror, um, romance-esque sort of film. Um, and visually, I thought it was absolutely gorgeous um, just to, to watch it. And um, I think there were a couple of points that I kind of was a little bit bothered by. Um, so, like, the, the giant hole in the ceiling that they did not um, fully discuss. Um, it was it, just there to look it, cool, let's be yeah. honest. But, but Sam, <laughs> but Sam, as, oh, as Gimro del Toro, oh, no. wasn't it cool? Yes. Wasn't it cool, though? It was so cool. <laughs> um, Continue, oh, Sam. Oh, <laughs> Um, aside uh, from that, um, I, I think it was, I think it was really well done and I, um, I would give it, um, probably like a, a three out of five, okay. um, for, for what it's worth. So 
Sam, you just took the words out of my mouth. You? It's a three out of five. So for apparently, me. you have no oh words gosh. of your own because you keep saying that to everybody else. <laughs> Actually, no. It's the truth, though. Like I, I echo a lot of your sentiments. Like going back to what I've I've spoken about before. I love the production design for this film. Um, I love the, I love the costumes. The costumes Ooh, are absolutely great. Yeah, like in the. Um, Those puffy sleeves, though. Can I just like butt in for yeah, that moment? Yeah. I I. I just want to know why she, why Edith's character always got the really puffy sleeves, mm-hmm. and why Jessica Chastain's character um, just d- didn't get that same sleeve recognition. Because Edith was the closest one to being ghost-like. She was the one who always got to communicate with them, and Jessica Chastain was too down to earth and too of the ground. That doesn't make any fucking <laughs> sense, Nick. Anyway, I know I try. Um, <laughs> Lucille's uh, costume, like her her dress at the at the party with like the reds and like yeah. the cr- the the corset in the back, yeah, the crimson. the crimson, yeah. And I was just like, damn, that is a really good costume. It's really awesome. I love the hair hairdos. Um, yeah, I love uh, the decision of the filmmakers to have uh, Lucille playing the piano throughout the film. I, I feel yeah. like that was a nice way to incorporate the music in it, also, but um, at the same time have her character have something to do while um, the other characters are throughout the house. I, I, I liked it. And also it was a really cool ending scene, seeing her as a ghost still playing the piano. Yeah. She did what she loved. Yeah. Boom. Which included Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, but he's dead. So really, and they're not really on good terms because she killed him. So they're not really going to be Unfortunately, ghost fucking. No. So. I mean, they have forever to work out their issues. So. I mean, when That's you look at the time. location yeah. of where the, you know, the mansion was located, her romantic prospects were not that great as far as finding another guy. So no. it's really just convenient. You really she could go to that uh, that post office and see if one of those bearded fellows would, uh, you know, help no, her out. But they were kids, though, <laughs> man. I mean, like you really like oh, you have to look as you far, son of a bitch. You have to look as far as like, like you sick fuck the the nursery that you're locked in. I'm just like, there's not a lot of romantic prospects. Sure, it's true. Yeah, yeah. You condone incest, but you perpetrate this shit. Highbrow all the time. Why don't you finish your... I did. Here? I did finish my Did thought. you give a rating? Yes, I did. Three out of five. Oh, I didn't hear. Because yeah. we were twinsies on that. Yeah, oh, we were okay. twinsies. Yeah. Also, your ratings like, go in one ear and out the other because they're either three or three out of five. Three and a half. It's true. Five. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Pretty consistent. Yeah. You are. Uh, well, then, I will give the highest rating and just say that I give it three and a half out of five. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to... I, I might have been the most defensive of it, but that's because I, I think to like pick down a movie like this is to like... That means... It, than like what you were saying, Alex. Like you just you're just not a fan of this genre because I don't see how this does anything different. Which is yes, that can be a criticism of in and of itself. Like as far as yes, you, it doesn't do anything new. And yet, once again, I try to always judge a movie by its own merits. So it's like unless a movie is like physically a remake, you know, and um, uh, and making no qualms about it, then that's really the only time when I care when a movie is like being innovative rather than uh, uh, just you know, existing, but because I, I, I just love that a modern filmmaker uh, was able to create like a gothic horror romance uh, ghost story in 2015 and use these excellent colors and 
uh, just kind of, yeah, just lend its own technical master, mastery to this genre that we don't really get to see anymore. Like, I, I just loved it. it. It just felt like classical filmmaking coming back alive, like both the genre itself and just, you know, somebody like uh, Guillermo who prizes more functionality rather than, like, emotional stuff. Uh, so that's why I, I really was a big fan of it. It's not so much that it was... You know, if you were expecting a scary movie, then I'm sorry the trailer has misled you. And I'm, I'm speaking to anybody like who feels that way, not a specific person. But uh, Guillermo del Toro wasn't really ever going to make that because that's never what he's been. He's way more into like atmosphere and building these universes, and he's done it once again. So that's why I was I was a fan of it. So three and a half out of five. Okay, very well. Mm. So yeah, kind of a you know a, a good little mix of uh, pros and cons for Crimson Peak, and uh, you know that's that's a good healthy debate. All right, well uh, on our next episode, which will be uh, the thirty seventh episode of Film Tank, we'll uh, be doing our big discussion of the Saw series. <sighs> All Man. seven films. Are you guys going to plan to watch all seven between now and next week? I am. Yeah. That makes one of us. I make no <laughs> promises. Yeah, I'm planning to watch Saw 6 and Saw 3. So you're basically telling it. the listeners that you guys are not doing your homework before. You're not researching. We've known about this episode for months. Now, here's the thing. Guys still... I, I've known about it. I just don't know about it. I, w- I will say this. For a, a series where... It's so specialized, like the Saw series is, and there are so many different films, because there are seven, except for the third film. I watched all the other six films last year, and I know both of you watched all seven last year. Now, Nick is just so dedicated to his craft that he is going to be watching all seven again, but I feel I'm like... so I, dedicated to Saw. That's what it is. I, I think at least myself and Dusant at least have a, a base for what uh, what these seven films were. I so. guess for me, the reason why I'm rewatching all seven, and I'm not going to get into a diatribe, but like the first four I, I find very compulsively watchable, even if four is bad, whatever. But first four, whatever. Five through seven is like awful and the dregs of a series besides six somewhat, but they also run so close together that I can barely distinguish them. They so just like, trip over each other. Right. Really. Five through seven, I would honestly have a hard time talking about unless I rewatched them, even though okay. I, I watched them a year ago. So I'll, I'll disagree with you a little bit on that. Only that I feel like all of the last four are bad with the exception of six, which I do like. Uh, four, five, and seven are all bad for different reasons. Well, I'm not talking quality. I'm talking like plot wise. No, that's and yeah, I, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I, I think they're yeah, all yeah, bad yeah. for different plot reasons. For sure, for sure. So, but yeah, like once what's the name takes over, it it it's like everything just looks the oh, same. Detective Hoffman. Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know. So anyway. So yeah, it, it's it, it's a very interesting uh, little uh, franchise just because. It just, it just, it just is. It, it, yeah, that's exactly it. It's just there. What is? I'll say this much for anybody who's never sat down to watch them. I'm not necessarily recommending it. <laughs> However, <laughs> what what I love about it is not what it's known for, which is the you know very silly torture porn aspect, which is definitely prevalent. So if you don't like that, or if you can't get in, can't get past that, so to speak, then yeah, don't watch them. But the the mythology of the Saw movies and the timelines is just one of the most hilariously convoluted things that I just eat it up no matter how bad it is. Like, no other film franchise is this intricately tied together. Not well, because it's done well, but as far as, like, retconning certain plot developments via flashbacks. And, like, it's, a, well, it's amazing that somebody in three... Uh, 
yeah, read the letter. You don't find out who wrote the letter until Saw 6. You don't find out what the letter said until Saw 7. You know, like, that's just a letter. That's that's how the letter is different from movie to movie, let alone the character. It's, it's so stupid. It's great. Well, and, too, how they, they kept trying to involve Jigsaw more and more throughout the films, even though <laughs> he, he was less and less. And, yes, he's he less di- and less They kill off the character. And that s- dude had a really rich life of trying to fuck <laughs> other people's lives over before he died. Did? He did a lot of shit. I, I just love how they keep oh man we found another set of uh, tapes that we're gonna use for this game even though he's been dead for three years he just knew what was gonna happen man. he was <laughs> hey, he, he said him himself he, he was he a, was uh, that a mentally... study of the human psychology well hey you know what that's another problem too is that is something that the movie is selling to you yes. so <laughs> yes, he tries to sell a lot yeah we'll obviously get into much more detail in the next episode so that is too something... much detail well it'll, it'll it'll be something it's gonna be quite an episode i I already would put it out there. I'm going to wear my Billy the Puppet uh, mask. Billy the Puppet is, without a doubt, the best part of all that, that franchise for me. Oh, just, Billy. Just that he keeps... Even of, the puppet. That's one of our catchphrases now. Oh, Billy. Even the puppet. You're saying this, and I'm bringing this back to what I was saying, but even the puppet has its own backstory. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. Fuck it's an inanimate puppet. object, and yet there's literally flashback sequences that explain yes. where the puppet came from, what the puppet means to this dead child. I mean, it's so... Oh, my God. It's beautiful. I love this franchise. <laughs> it is... And, and why it keeps showing up and in the yes. most stupid things like all of a sudden remember when I think it's in the seventh film when it comes like f- crashing through a window yeah, yeah he literally on a he, fucking rope he, it repelled from the that, fucking window I honestly like I, I want to strive in my life to be like that puppet because <laughs> When he first appeared, he was just a puppet. But then by the end of the oh, franchise, he, he, can, he can ride a bike. He can fly <laughs> through the air. I mean, there's nothing that little guy can't do. So. I actually, I've never seen any of the Saw movies. So, like, this discussion alone is just intriguing me so much to oh, go and dear. watch them now. The first five are on Netflix. So, definitely Done. Tr- I, I'm going to marathon it. Good. All you have to... You don't know what if, you're if, saying. Oh, no, you're going to... Just don't say that because you're going to hate us after. But at least, you know, at what? least you'll understand what we're talking watch about. the first three and then watch the uh the ice cube incident in the last 15 minutes of the fourth film and that's all you need really yeah. all right you can look it up on youtube and yet there's all so right. much plot in five through seven like that's what's insane about it i agree like the only like the first three are the only real uh, necessities and yet like it goes through even more plot at once the yeah. film goes off because clip. it tried to go so hard to go forward and yet go back at the same time and it yeah. just so, was so got stuck obnoxious. in neutral so, so here this was your very fun preview i know it's, how it's, next it's, week is gonna go it's going to and we're going to throw Kenny in the mix, and who knows what the fuck he's going to say. So it's going to be a very interesting episode. Well, I think that Jigsaw has a lot of good points. <laughs> hey, like you know whiplash what? all over again. He's just a misunderstood character, okay? Because I think he really was the true protagonist of this film. Kill me now. Oh. <laughs> what all a right. game. Look forward to that uh, this coming week, uh, just in time for Halloween, hopefully. Spooky. Yeah. So thank you very much to uh, Sam Shamara for joining us again. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, thank yes, you. thank you. And uh, thank you, as always, to <laughs> thank uh, you. Nick. Thank and you. Thank you. Oh, God. Thank you. Let's bring this to an end. <laughs> thank uh, you. Thank you. Alex Diekman, uh, thank Thanks. you very much for listening to thank this you. episode of Film Tank. You can catch us uh, um, anytime on FilmTankShow.com or iTunes or Stitcher. And you can always find us on uh, 
Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And also, if you want to uh, email your rankings of the uh, Saw series or any thoughts you have about the Saw series to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com, feel free to do so. And thank you in advance. Thank you. Oh, for thank God's you. sakes. All right. Thank you, and uh, we'll catch up with you next time. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> <sighs>